This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Tasmanian metal god Psychroptic's new album As the Kingdoms Drown is out now via Prosthetic Records, Decibel Hills, The Killer Songs Inside. Angry Metal Guy says 15 years later, Psychroptic have finally delivered an album that lives up to the brilliance of the Scepter of the Ancients. Visit store.prostheticrecords.com to order once more. Psychroptic's new album, As the Kingdoms Drown, is out now. Store.prostheticrecords.com. How can a struggling artist make it in this world? Working hard and paying your dues has worked for many bands in the past, but who has time for that? Maybe it's time for a shortcut to the top. From the makers of fiction, it's Lie Your Ass Off! Here's how it works. If somebody asks you a question, you tell them whatever you gotta say to get what you want. So what's that bulge in your pants all about? He puts socks in the front of his underwear to create an illusion. But she doesn't need to know that. It's time to Lie Your Ass Off! Oh, this old thing? Once you ride this, you're gonna feel like a pedophile. Excuse me? Because before me... All you ever had was baby dicks. See? You can trick other people as well, not just people with vaginas. Everyone I talk to has never heard of you guys. Yet you say you'll have 300 pre-sold tickets if I let you use my venue in December. He has no fans and no experience, but he also has a dream. What should he do? He should lie your ass off! Yep, this place is going to be crawling with models and personal trainers. You have kind eyes. I trust you. Lying your ass off can lead to beatings, divorces, a loss of self, firings, paranoia, getting caught in more lies, and shingles. Lie your ass off! Because honor is stupid. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. What is going on, everybody? It is I, your host, Petra Spice. I am always joined by... Yeah, 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 at your buddy Gooch on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> What's your name? Yeah. Brandon Gooch Han. <laughs> yes, I hate you. I'm Jocelyn Sharp, and you can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at Jocelyn Sharp. And you can follow me, guys, at Rise to Offend on Facebook and Twitter. Rise to Offend official on Instagram. This week, guys, we are talking to Todd Stern from Psychroptic. Their new record, As the Kingdom Drowns, is out right now and is phenomenal. So hang in there for that interview. But before that, we're going to jump into the Metal Sucks news, talk a little bit about a couple stories. First off, the bit was tied into this first story, but the bit was bad. What? <laughs> it's so upset right now. Dude, you didn't even remember your name after the bit played. No, I was there. <laughs> I was there. I was just like, let's just fucking glaze over it like it didn't happen. Let's glaze over yeah. it like it did. Look, here's the deal. This is what here's the deal. I wrote the bit and I go, I mean, I think it'll work. And Pete's like, no, it's great, man. You're brilliant and handsome. You know what I mean? I did, Fuck, I, I did I say you, you were handsome. And he was just like, You're the best thing you ever. Need to stop to ha- telling him that because he explained Expects to hear it anytime someone gives him a compliment. Well, well now. he was well, yeah. I was virtually in the middle of an interview with another person. He was like, <laughs> like when he sent me the bit. He basically said, he's like, <laughs> and I Dude. told him that before I listened. <laughs> he's like, your bit is the most unbelievable thing I've ever heard. And then now it's like, oh wait a minute, you're a big piece of shit, Brandon. No, Thank you're you. not. No, Thank you. Not. I know you well enough, Gooch, to know that none of that stuff happened in that none order. Of that happened, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> no, but Pete did write back. He's like, dude, it's great, bro. Don't worry about I it. I did. You're great, legitimately. And I've cut bits from. 
from the show before. Yeah. <laughs> it's because he like, believes in you. I believe well, yeah. in you. I believe that I, maybe I didn't get it, but someone out there did. Well, laugh. yeah. Usually, well, you got to understand. Laughed. You got to understand. Jaws and I saw your face. Here's what happened. You want to owe that laughter? Here's what <laughs> I did not. Happen. No, there was there was a laugh. I knew there was one laugh coming. There was one laugh coming, and that's when it was. Uh, you don't. You can't just trick people with vaginas. You yeah. know. And then I was like, I I, was, I wrote that specifically. For Jaws, yeah, that'll make it's see, easy that, to make. That didn't yeah. work on me at all. Well, I see it should have. But my thing is, though, is <laughs> it wasn't a bad bit. You have a terrible sense of yeah, humor and Pete. a scabby vagina. <laughs> That's what it is. That's and what it is. An mutated, the, disgusting vagina. Pete has the story that inspired that handsome bit. There's a band from Los Angeles called Threaten. Good name. Mm-hmm. And they faked the entire fan base. To land a European tour that no one attended. You want to know why no one attended it, guys? Because if you fake your fan base, your They're, fake fan base ain't going to show up, right? Yeah, yeah. You have to, you can't, the one thing, you can fake not being able to play your instruments, yeah. okay? But the one thing you cannot fake is a fan base, Right, okay? you're telling me that Snidely Whiplash and Hanna-Barbera didn't show up to yeah. the concert like they promised Yeah, to, just, like. be, just because you were able to put together a music video and you green screened a bunch of people into your mosh pit, you know oh what I mean? God. That doesn't necessarily this mean guy, that's This a guy fascinates me. No, on, this is a fascinating I, story. I'm fascinated by that. I would love to speak to somebody who has has a degree in psychology and sociology to understand if this is an effect of our culture, like this guy just wants the accolades and the attention, but doesn't want to do any of the work to get there. And guess what? He got it. And he got it. He got it on social media for a second. And then now that he's been called on it, obviously he's, he's ghosted on the world, but he's ghosted on the world. Well, this he's is gone. what pisses me off. Threatened great name for a band can't be used anymore or else you're going to look like shitheads. Uh, first off, not a great name. I was for about a band. to say, it's not Second a good off, name. The way it's Have spelled. you been hanging out with 16 year olds? Yeah, what, what do you mean? Talking about threat? <laughs> no, threaten the zombie. That's the name that's of my like, band. That's like calling your band punch. Like, Hey, that's pretty it. dumb. I love it. I love punch. Are you kidding me? Give it to me. Add five fingers to it. Yeah. Great name. Five fingers. No. You need, no, it needs five finger and then death. You already fucked. It can't be five finger punch. Five finger threatened punch. Yeah, yeah five finger threatened punch. punch. Huge fan base. Yeah. I'm fascinated by this, dude. Like, uh, Because here's my theory is that you can't live like this. You have to live like this for a minute. And you can't live in this level of delusion without believing it on some level No, no. He had to have believed it. Let me tell you why he believed he knew he created a fake fan base paid for facebook followers everything had a fake promoter that was probably him i don't know that for a fact obviously but we're just going that it was sleazy p martini he knew everything you, it was probably him was it just him, like him with eyeliner over his well, i wonder if someone helped. Like a mustache. yeah <laughs> <laughs> he stood in his room and talked to himself in the mirror you're gonna make it big kid you you're got gonna the, be a star you, you got the moxie you got what it takes <laughs> you could see him like i don't know if this reference is too old but in wayne's world too when uh, <laughs> when Wayne and Garth, they're like, just build it, and Aerosmith will show up. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And so it's like the, everybody's here to see the show, and it's like Aerosmith never confirmed, yeah, and then yeah, they the just dream show sequence. up. The dream, yeah, and Aerosmith just shows up in the movie, and it's like, I wonder if this guy has seen Wayne's World 2 too much to think, if I just say it's true, it becomes true. Well, no, because the, here's the thing. A hundred percent, this guy had a Canadian internet girlfriend in high school. I, I Or... Yes, a hundred percent. Yes, it's Canadian. Is <laughs> Canada prob- like a, yeah. uh, a trolling place? Why, why? No, because in high school, this was real. This is a real stereotype. Nerdy guys would always say that they had a girlfriend, but she was on the internet. But she would always be from Canada and a model. 
and a model, but she but she would be from like Canada, so they couldn't ever meet up. And you'd be like, you're being catfished by an old dude. Like, I feel like that this this uh, kind of guy. I understand that, but I also feel like if they're in Canada, you can meet up. Well, here's it's not about you're thinking too hard about it. It's oh, not them yes. about being. I it's am. not about them being Canadian. I need to get to the <laughs> threat level. I gotta she get got, to threat level. You got yeah, yeah. from the. This is the thing from the guy who invented the catfish. He's like, what? I love like, that Pete is no, so open minded. He's like, Canadians are just like us. What yeah. are you talking? I mean, they're about? just like they have feelings. <laughs> they have models. Yes, they have models. There's models things, there. You know. They lie their asses off. I'm fascinated by this guy. How do you do that? How do you plan a whole tour and then like... But here's the thing, okay? Like, to continue on, if, if people haven't read the story, is that he planned a tour. He lied and said he pre-sold tickets to the show, and then he showed up to the show. Like, knowing Call all belief. this was a lie. Well, because here's... what this And is- then, guess what? Those, those people that he lied about when he, when he played the show, they weren't there. I understand that. There was three people there. Maybe there's traffic. Dude, they should have got the Tupac hologram. <laughs> but like, why would show he up? show up? <laughs> what, you, he really believed? What, That's Pete, what I'm saying. He this is what I'm tr- This is what I'm trying to tell you, dude. This is what they pump into young people's brains all the fucking time. Just go for it, man. Just go for it. Just chase the dream and go for it. Well... The work ethic's not pumped That's in. what I'm saying. Yeah. It's not the work ethic. It's just chase the dream. That's it. And, and on top of that, this is L.A. It, it, this, the same phrase has been used a billion times before. You got to fake it till you make it. This guy faked it way too fucking hard. I, I, and he jumped. And he, but this is what happened, though. He jumped like five steps ahead when it came to the make it, you know, fake it till you make it. So he was on, he was on step number 10 when he <laughs> needed to be on step number two of bullshit. I don't think that he's like, I don't think by any means that this is a normal problem product of society telling you to chase your dreams i think this is a mentally ill person i think <laughs> i think so i think i think there's a i think there's and a we're part. making fun of them <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly no. hey, oh way to bring it down yeah well, nope. Pete. Oh, i'm nope, so sorry no guy, it's on him he stole money and it's frauded still people. funny to me he frauded people he frauded people he frauded and, people. is that a word and he also put if you put your cringy stuff on the internet you better be prepared for assholes like us to make fun of you because that's the way the universe works now technically guys the, the tour is still going on <laughs> I'm just saying, the tour technically ends like November 15th or something. You know those old... Like, November no. 16th it ends. So technically, it's still happening. So this story's got to have a part two, right? You know, when I, you know those old uh, <laughs> 1980s uh, like tour music videos where it's like, you know, it shows Bon Jovi and they're backstage or whatever, and then they get out to the crowd and there's all yeah. these people. There's going to be no people. No, no, no. It's going to be... <laughs> He's going to be photoshopped be, yeah, as Bon Jovi. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. So they're going to have like Stone Cold Steve Austin in the audience. Like, well, how the fuck we that? watched a video on there where he basically like made it look like somebody else's concert was his. You have to go to metalsucks.net and watch. You, you have to watch these videos because you will you will hurt in your heart for how awkward this kid is. It, it is amazing. And there's bands that were booked to be opening acts. And, you know, they brought people on the guest list and they all had the same experience to be like, this dude has never even performed live before. This guy he hired people but didn't pay them but he didn't end up paying like like the booking fees and everything so i don't think he owes people money he just embarrassed a lot of people yeah and lost a lot of money on the whole transaction believing lies so as of right now the story doesn't say that he, he owes got. a lot of people money. i'll tell you what he got he got a euro trip well there was one concert that he had like one person show up for and it's my favorite visual like <laughs> somebody bringing him on stage and being like give it up for threatening you just hear yeah, yeah. Or get off the fucking stage. <laughs> but yeah, the delusion's amazing. Now, let me ask you one more question before we move on. Delusion is always fun unless it involves it's like, the something best. awful. Yeah. One more question, guys. This, we know how, how society is now. We know the culture. 
is this guy going to be like a star? In He's going to have bit? to change his identity. Well, or is it done? No, well, I mean, well, dude, you being can embarrassing yourself works. For start, dude, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Embarrassing yourself in this society works. And, and lying on top works of that, too. And on top of that, this story is so out there. Why wouldn't some Hollywood agency buy the story? This guy's going to make money off of this. This is this is an investment. Yeah, sure, we're making fun of him right now. But guess what, dude? We made fun. They made fun of Tommy Wazoo. Exactly, the disaster not, yeah, artist. A disaster artist, and all of a sudden, they make that crazy movie. He practically like dry humped it. He practically like raped a chick in front of everybody by the by the sounds of the movie. But they're like, yeah, fuck it, it's funny. He's got a he's got a mental problem. <laughs> fuck it, you know. what I mean, it's like now there's something endearing about him. That's what's happening with this. Guy. I'm not gonna pretend like I wouldn't watch a reality show starring this guy because I 100 percent would. But the Tommy Wazoo thing is a great example because he had these same delusions and money. Yes. Yeah. So it was like, but that does work. Yes, you know, yes. On, on some level. If you're so. willing, if you're willing to put your failure on display, dude, oh. they, I'm going to tell you, right laugh now, at you, people, people want to laugh at you, and they're going to go, "This guy's so fucking stupid." And meanwhile, you know, you're, yeah, you might be pretty fucking stupid, you know, steering your yacht. You know, but that's that's how that's how that's how society is. Yeah, but part of me doesn't age. feel too bad for this kid because we know a lot of people like this, and delusional people like this are often egotistical assholes. Yes, and you Tommy can, Wazoo's an asshole, and yes. you can tell in the video where this kid is talking about how he his method of writing right. and how you know he really he says he really wants to showcase how good he is at all the instruments. That's his like. Literally, you couldn't be any more egotistical. Yeah, like, one of the instruments was the recorder. <laughs> It's what? like, fucking get out of here with your hot cross buns, you piece of shit. Is <laughs> what? <laughs> never mind. I want to know the joke. It's a song. You, no, you're too... You never heard too hot cross eastern buns? Block. You won't hot get it. I'm too, I'm too eastern block. You're too yeah, eastern block. You didn't have a childhood. You never played that on the piano? <laughs> hot cross buns. No. Oh, my God. Sorry. It's the only thing I know how to play. Well, radish horse never covered that. Why radish would they horse, ever... Yeah, exactly. Radish, radish <laughs> horse. Weird Al Yankovic was our king. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> And he played an accordion. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So maybe I played hot cross buns on an accordion, but I don't. If only Weird Al Yankovic and... Mila Jovovich just made a child. There, there's enough people in this. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, I don't you were talking about your people. Yeah. Anybody that has a last name that ends with a CH sound, I'm like, all right, those are Pete's people. That's <laughs> yeah. They must be from Montana. It's like cha cha cha. I'm like, I got it now. Okay, yeah. It's not true. Old time. Yeah. Point is. This kid, though, my. my my thing with this kid that I can't stop marinating in my head is that there the C and we see this all the time being entertainers ourselves is that the C of entertainment, there's so many entertainers out there that can get by by being delusional and frauding people mm-hmm. even after something like this. So I think that you might be right, which I don't think that this kid's going to go anywhere. I think that we'll see him show up in a different costume with a different band name, maybe like Jocelyn or I'm, Punch. <laughs> Jocelyn, I'm always right. You're never if right. You, Brandon if, would invest in this guy right now. No, yeah. I, no I, dude, I'm going to tell you, anything <laughs> super crazy, yeah. outlandishly stupid, I'm like, because here's the thing, the public, they just want to watch a failure. That's that's it. Yeah. So it's like, yes, why wouldn't you invest in a fucking moron like this? With that, guys, moving on, make sure you check out the story. It is uh it's it's got a beginning, middle, and end. It's quite it's quite a script of this guy's wait. life. So, so hear more. The next thing we want to touch on, guys, before we get to our interview here with Todd from Psychroptic, there was a statement released on Ollie Herbert's death by his wife, and I'm gonna read her statement in full and then we'll discuss it a little bit without getting too intense on it. Here is the statement from Ollie Herbert's wife, Beth, on his passing. Good morning, everyone. This is Beth. And indeed, it is a good morning. Toxicology results are back, as is the official cause of my husband's death, exclamation mark. So she's excited about this, I'm assuming. Cause of death, 
drowning. Toxicology. Toxicology. Ali was apparently self-treating for manic depression that has run in his family for several generations. Antidepressants were found in his system as well as a sleep aid. The psych meds found in his system were the same ones that a close relative has been prescribed for a long time, so he knew what to hunt down for the treatment, in quotations. Seeing how he was not going and wouldn't go to a doctor to get diagnosed with the issue and was being prescribed the medication and monitored on them, it explains his occasional erratic behavior here at home. And then she addresses the memorial that was going to happen this week that was canceled very uh, quickly. As far as why the memorial was canceled, concern for my personal safety and home due to numerous threats to both is the reason. If anybody knows where Ollie was getting the psych meds, please call CT State Police Troop C in Tallinn, Connecticut. One of the drugs can have a hallucinogenic effect, also restlessness. Ollie kept wanting to go outside that night before he disappeared, and he kept walking towards the pond, which is a pitch black part of our property, as well as very slippery. And to that fact that it was raining that evening, apparently he left the house after I went to bed, so I couldn't stop him and bring him back inside. So with one real quick thing, because the first obvious question is like concern for my personal safety at home due to numerous threats and, and both is the reason. We don't know what threats were made against her. We did see on Facebook there is a page, however, called Justice for Ollie Herbert. And it pretty much is stating that she had something to do with his death. So that might be a link to the threats. Overall, though, the statement, I felt it was very awkward. And yeah, I, felt I don't think that you it was, start uh, off. I don't think you start off with exclamation points. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, dude, what a good day! I mean, my husband's still dead, but check this out. You know, it's like, dude, no, you, you at least come from, at least come at it from from an angle of I'm still mourning. I'm still in major pain. You don't just be like, what a good morning it is because I just found out the toxicology report. Like, why are you so happy about it? it yeah, it just doesn't emotionally file into to the correct response. I don't know enough about the situation to make a judgment call either way or say my opinion, but what I can say is that I uh, I think that it's strange. I think that the emotions are all wrong, and I think that you're giving me details on things that I don't really care about. And I think that yeah, it could be in response to this. This I mean, I mean, they are going all out on Facebook saying justice for Ollie, and the, the hashtag we saw was like, I mean, it's aggressive towards her. So I can imagine that maybe this is in response to her being like, look, everyone, the toxicology report came out. You can finally see it. Could be that that it could be that. But what I do know is that there's a lot of this that feels weird. It just feels yes. weird in conjunction with everything else around his. You know, what it feels like it feels like when oj wrote that if i did it you know what i mean that's like, a little intense but I'm i don't think saying, i don't think it's on that level you're saying far too much you're saying far too much i, think I personally feel that like as uh, a widow nobody's gonna expect her to post the toxicology results yeah, right. i feel like there's a lot of news media outlets that are interested in what what happened to ollie and that they could have posted the results in a much less um dramatic way well i mean at least with, it without, without it. the speculation that you guys are having yes or people are having on facebook I'm saying about is, her involvement in his, his his passing which is very bad especially if she had nothing to do with it we're, we're not cops but the point is is that her statement is gonna yeah uh, us as as and look i beings, don't think she killed him i don't think she killed the guy you just said the I'm, oj thing i'm no i'm saying just because the reason why it felt like that is because she's over explaining what's so you going think on oj's innocent 
No. <laughs> You're a dumb person. I'm not. You just compared it to someone that you thought killed no, her No, I said the report, the thing that she posted, it was like there, she was revealing way too much information. It was look, almost like, but, but look, like you get I what said, I'm this, saying? This could be in response, this could be an emotional response to intense, intense online harassment. Right. That This could be what that is. This could just be because when you are being harassed, you, you react in ways and sometimes you just, maybe this is her, she could have done this like, you know, pissed off first thing in the morning before she even had her coffee and just sat down on the keyboard. I mean, we don't know the, we, I don't know her. I don't know the situation well enough. There's not enough details. The band hasn't even released a statement that tells me anything about this situation in particular. So I, I don't know. I just, to me, I, all I know is that, uh, I think what I know what you mean by the, if I did it thing, it's not that you think that she did it. It's that it it's, it feels like it's in poor taste, even though it might not be. Yes. Well, let me ask you guys this. Is this the last time we're going to talk about this story? No, <laughs> no. But that's what I'm getting at. That's, the reason why. That's the reason what why, I'm saying. The reason why this I don't will be like brought this, up again. The reason why I don't like this is it's like stop trying to capitalize on it. You know what I mean? Stop trying to capitalize. It's like it's, it feels like you're trying to stay in the spotlight. Just stay out of it. You know what I mean? Why are you posting the toxicology report? I mean, there I could be a it could be a, it could be a million reasons. She yeah. could, she could feel culpable as you know as uh, if she does feel like this was some kind of substance abuse thing that that ended up thing you know as she insinuates she could feel culpable. She could be dealing with some kind of survivor's guilt or something. You know, being an enabler. There's a million reasons that she could be behaving be behaving this strangely. But I don't think that we're done talking about it. Yeah, unfortunately, that uh, this this. Merits another response from another party, maybe the band or from cops or anything. But yeah, the the statement alone, it, it doesn't seem like there, you can tell when something's being bookend and you can tell when something's ending. And it seems like this is going to have more questions. And uh, and unfortunately, like I said, it, it, the passing of Ollie Herbert, it's it's fresh and it's it's sad for a lot of people in the scene. And to add this kind of drama to it, unfortunately, to yeah. sensationalize it, which see, is I what just, people will do. See, I just think this with statement all, helps that. I just think in today's society, with all the making, how to make a murderers and all these things, it's just like everybody just wants life to be more dramatic than what it is. And I just think that in some cases, maybe a lot of people just jumped a gun and just like you were saying, Jocelyn, she just had a, an, an emotional response on Facebook or wherever yeah, but she released it. People do get away with murder. I know people do get away with murder. I mean, even the making a murderer thing, if we really dig deeply into that, we can find out a lot of crazy stuff. There was about a football that player that there was a football player that, um, that people always say got away with murder. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Did he, does his, does he, his name have, is he like go good with breakfast or it's Orenthal <laughs> or a gel. Simpson. It's not Orogel. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Orogel's like for teeth pain. Okay, sorry. Well, guys, with that, we'll move on. I hope we never have to talk about it again. I hope everything is as tragic as it is, just a, an accident. All right, guys. This month, Amon and Marth will release their new documentary and supporting live albums, The Pursuit of Vikings 25 Years in the Eye of the Storm via Metal Blade Records. In addition to the retrospective documentary, the live video and audio component contains two different sets at 2017 Summer Breeze Festival in Germany, capturing the unit at their very best. Make sure you guys purchase your copies now at metalblade.com slash Amon Amarth. Once again, the pursuit of Vikings 25 years in the eye of the storm, metalblade.com slash Amon Amarth. And with that, guys, let's jump into my interview with Todd Stern from Psychroptic. 
Everybody, what is going on? It's Petter with the Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I got Todd Stern from Psychroptic. We're here to talk about the new record, As the Kingdom Drowns, which is out right now. Todd, this is uh, the band's seventh record, and uh, to me, and a lot of the media that I'm reading, it's their best record to date, and I agree with this. Now, being your first record with them, even though I did, I do know that it was written before you were officially a member of the band, how much credit does your presence get for the outcome of this record well i think it's just a classic situation of just ideas getting bounced back and forth so you submit riff ideas to like a panel of judges and wait for their approval type of thing now joe being the primary songwriter he has carte blanche always i mean the dude's been in the band for basically 20 years so i i kind of feel like who am i to evaluate this dude's material (laughs) but he's always like yeah what do you think and then it's more, my hands-on experience with this record was more of like a arrangement. Put this here, make this last half as long, make this part last twice as long, do something odd here and make this transition different. Uh, drum segue, so on and so forth. Nice, dude. Now, As the Kingdom Drowns has a lot of groove to it. It's something I think a lot of the technical death metal bands, I, I feel they lack that. How important was that element, do you think, for this material? Honestly, I think it's the most important element there is on this record because the guys wanted to do... Um, there, there was a bit of uncertainty coming out of the last cycle. Like, where do you want to go with this next record? Now, everyone seems to think that the 2015 self-titled was far and away the band's best work to date. And I agree with that. So they wanted to kind of go in the same direction, but focus very, very heavily on the chorus and the refrain the replay value, the overall catchiness of the tune, and just making something that can be really complex at times, simple enough for people to just, you know, kind of get into the groove with and, and bang their head along to. It's very easy to get into, even though some of it's very hard to play, for lack of a better way to put it. You know what I mean? Oh, 100%. 100%. And you actually used a word in my next question, which is great, is that I wanted to, how much do you feel songwriting and songs need a replay value in metal these days to, to get noticed? I think it, at this point, I mean, all of us have been doing this for so long. I think that that's the, the only thing that is, uh, regardless of how many times it's been done, it never, ever will wear me out. So, for example... When I was a kid, I would get floored and super impressed by the way someone can either play fast or someone's technique or something like that. And eventually, all of those things that have caught my interest kind of... It's not that I don't care anymore, but to me, I don't prioritize um, what has value in music to me anymore the same. And now the most important thing is the replay value. So... Good songwriting will never go out of style is basically what I'm getting at. You know what I mean? 100%. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree. And there's a couple elements on this record specifically that I think helped uh, the songs get catchier. We mentioned the groove uh, to a lot of the, the, the songs. But also there is a, a female vocals on a lot of the choruses on, on a couple tracks. I know the title track and some other ones. Now, um, to my knowledge, is the first time that the guys have done that in Psychroptic? Is, is that true or am I wrong? Okay, so not only is it the first time the guys have done it, but what's what's cool about it is that the female voice on every song you hear it on is, is Joe's wife. Now, I didn't know this when I first started playing with the guys, but uh, 
you know, Amy is her name. She is apparently more musically talented than Joe is. She teaches, um, she teaches, she, she teaches vocals and piano for a living. So she's unreal how good she is. So Joe had this idea to get her involved in the psychoptic record. And not only did everyone like it, but everyone fell in love with it right away. Like, yo, this is, uh, something totally new to us. And it seems like it might be a bit, of a bold move because you don't know how people are going to respond to that. And it's not something that you can recreate live without kind of just putting her on a backing track, which I don't know how people are going to respond to either, but I, I just love the way the record came out and I just don't care about anything apart from that. You know, I'll tell you right now, when I heard it, 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 it you know, the song, it was kind of the crescendo and then it added the goosebump a little bit. Just, Ooh, what's that coming from? Really? So, yeah, it's a me. Oh, awesome. So, and uh, I know it was on the first track and then um, it was, like I said, I know it was on the title track. But uh, yeah, so it worked out like really well. I but I'm one of those guys. I love it when people take risks. And talking about backing tracks, I know a lot of bands don't like it, and I'm not a huge fan of it myself. But as a musician, when you can't bring 17 people on stage, I think it's such a right. fair and great thing to be able to do that to to mimic that moment. It, I think it's a slippery slope. I mm -hmm. think that uh, you know. Okay, for example. In the 90s, if I would go see Ozzy Osbourne and they would do, uh, you know, the, the, the keyboard vamp and the intro to No More Tears or the beginning of Mr. Crowley or something like that, mm -hmm. they'd have a guy who was playing live keyboard, but he wasn't even on the stage. He was somewhere behind the curtain. And to me, I, it confused me at a young age. And then I thought to myself, well, you know, I guess you can't do the song without that part. And I guess it makes sense to bring a guy on the road to play it. But now... Fast forward to 2018, you're not going to bring an, an, an extra person on the road with you just to do the choruses and like think about it logistically. It's uh, you know it's it's anything. It's flights and hotels and 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 it's you're sitting out the rest of the song apart from the chorus. It's it's a bit weird. So it's a risky move to put it on the record, but it came out awesome. And now you want to do the songs live, and it's like a toss up between do you not include that part of the song live that is probably part of the reason why people are interested in hearing it live in the first place or does is it such an important element to the song that you can't perform it live without it I, I don't know i think it's up to the individual personally for me it might be a weird experience for someone to come to a psychoptic show watch the band on stage hear the female vocals and then say to themselves where the fuck is that coming from if you don't know any better but uh you know, it's worth it. You're delivering a product, and your product is your live performance. And if a part of your live performance isn't actually live, I think that's okay. I think Slayer did that with the guitar intro to South of Heaven back in, starting in the beginning of their career. You know what I mean? A hundred percent, yeah. Yeah, I uh, and I think King Diamond does that. I think he has someone singing backstage with him because I've seen him live the uh, last few times, and there was like an echo, but it was a different voice. I can't it's, prove it's, that. It's bizarre. Yeah, everyone. Yeah, exactly. Everyone has their own method to it. So, I think it is what it is, and you have to take it at face value. And it's like if you're not into it, I can't say I, I um, I, you know, I blame you for not being into it. But I think that more people will be into it than not. Is my overall consensus. You know? Yes, and I agree because I want bands to take risks. That's such an important thing. Like, say you want to add a saxophone part to a song, just in theory. Right. Obviously, you're not going to hire right. a saxophone player to tour with you. But I would notice right. that song missing 
or uh, that part missing in the tune. You know what I'm saying? So just totally, do, totally, do, do totally. the backing yeah. track. Yeah. It's a, like you said, I like it. It's a slippery s- slope, but there's a genuine way to do it with technology. And that's a, uh, that's cool. But yeah, no, I, I love the, her, the, the additional vocals. And I mean, you know, I actually played it back just to double, double check, but Psychroptic's been a band that's always been, every time I get a record, it's something new. They, they grow with each record because we, they grow, you know, everybody grows as people. You officially joined the band, if I'm not mistaken, in 2018. But I mean, you've been touring since uh, 2015 or so. Is that right? That's absolutely correct. Yep. Cool. So now, I always, I used to hear, I always ask this question for the newer guys in, in bands. I'm like, because back in the day, there'd be like this hazing process and all that stuff. But these days, the way metal is set up, you, you can't mess around. So I was always wondering, did you get hazed at all? Or was it just... <laughs> you can't mess around. You can't mess Honestly, around. Honestly, yeah, I, I wish that there was a hazing process. <laughs> it was it was totally the opposite. It was like, first of all, the guys in the band are just, they couldn't be nicer. And to be honest with you, I've been in a fair bit of touring situations with uh, various groups of, of dudes. And as far as I'm concerned, Psychroptic are the most agreeable, happy-go-lucky, get-along dudes I've ever toured with. It, it's it's almost bizarre how there's never a single fucking complaint, ever. So, like, you know, if you're around dudes that are a bit more of uh, smart asses or always have something to say, those are the pranksters. Those are the dudes who want to set you up or, or like, like to fuck with you or give you a hard time. They just made it easy for me. And it, there was never any pressure and there was never any, like, honestly, there were a few words even spoken about it. It was like, oh, you got the songs? Cool. Let me know if there's any questions about them. And then it was, uh, should we jam? It wasn't even important to them that we rehearsed. You know, they just, like, gave me this weird, unconditional trust. And then after we did the first tour together in 2015, they kind of invited me to do more. And I never knew exactly where I stood, but I just, I kind of figured that if they wanted me to join full-time, and they'd ask, and that's exactly what eventually happened, like inevitably. So the hazing part got totally skipped over, and it would have made for a better story if it hadn't, but that's how it went. One of the things that I, I always, you know, because they're from Australia, as everybody knows, you're from New Jersey. The logistics behind that was joining the band. Was there work to that part of it? Everyone seems to think that it's insane, and to be totally honest with you, after three years of doing it, it it works in the favor of the band for for me to be living in the States. <clears throat> and it's simply, okay, so logistics, right? They do a lot of stuff in Australia, in which case they have to fly me there, which is expensive. And, and I guess apart from that, everything works in their favor. So, yeah, of course, I like doing stuff in Australia, but there's only so much you can do there. So that when they're going to come to the States... The U.S. government is a much bigger pain in the ass than any other government in the world, as far as I know, about having foreign artists perform here. So, for example, if the Psychroptic guys are going to take out work visas that are only valid for 12 months so they can perform over here, I'm just one less visa that they have to purchase in order to play shows in the States, and I'm one less flight that they have to purchase in order for them to come here and play shows. Plus, I live in New Jersey, which is right near like a massive hub for travel. So everyone comes in and out of New York at JFK. And uh, I have a heap of resources that they have access to. So whether it's a van and a trailer or a backline full of gear or a rehearsal space or uh, whatever, a place to just ship shit and store it. I, you know, Dave bought a drum kit that he leaves with me. And now he, it's just here in North America. So anytime we do Canada or the States, he has it. Whereas before he had to rent one. And then flying a, a U.S. citizen, flying an American to Europe to do a tour, 
it's cheaper than flying in Australia to Europe to do a tour. So it actually, it works out for the better for everyone. We don't have to practice. <laughs> we just fucking get work done via the internet and we meet up and rock and roll. It's really an amazing setup. That's a great point. You, and I've, I've talked to many guys about that, how they have to put like $3,000 down just to see if they can get the work visa. But Americans, we, just, we can just fly. So if you're an American band, you can go tour Europe, just go. And you're right, you yep. have that advantage. So that that right there is uh, is a huge advantage. And that's, yeah, it's something that people probably didn't think of. But like to have, and you're right, traveling, I'm on the West Coast, I'm Vegas. So like it's four hours from every city out here. But like on the East Coast side, you're right, you can travel like easily. A two-week tour, you guys can hit up 14 dates out there on that side. Totally. So, so that's totally. that's that's a great thing. Now, for people that don't know, Todd, you are a guitar player primarily prior to joining Psychroptic, and um, you were in a, in a couple death metal bands and in the scene for a long time playing guitar. And then when you had to switch over to the bass for this, um, what was it uh, challenging for you to kind of learn the stuff? Uh, okay, so that's a great question. The, the, the Psychroptic songs are challenging just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, the bass parts are a lot less challenging than the guitar parts, but I'm sure that's that's something that a lot of death metal bands could say. So I was only pitched to the band as a potential fill-in bass player because a good friend of mine, Brett, who plays in Revocation, was offered a tour that he couldn't do filling in for Psychroptic. And he was like, listen, guys, I can't do this tour, but I have someone who can. He offered it to me saying like, hey, uh, Dave from Psychroptic wants me to fill in for a tour and I can't do it, so would you? And long story short, I... I totally agreed to it without even knowing how on earth I was going to pull it off. And the guys trusted Brett enough to be like, okay, cool. You say you got a guy and you got a guy. We'll, we'll go with him. Cause they, they got a tour offer. They didn't want to turn down and the rest is kind of history. So I switched over to bass. Now at the time I accepted the gig, I didn't even own a bass. I go out and buy one and start fucking around. And what I noticed was that, it's really much more of an instrument that I would have probably stuck with from a young age if I had just spent a bit of time with it. It's like, the, I love the big, giant string spacing and big, giant strings and big, giant frets. It's like a much, it's kind of like a, a real manly instrument, you know? And you can just clunk around on it like all cavemanish, and it, it's very comfortable for me. I love the long scale. I love the giant, like, I just, it's a bigger, tougher, uh, I guess, type of vibe and i i fell in love with it i honestly it's been a long time since i played guitar and in the guitar game i think that finesse is is very important and i don't know switching from guitar to bass isn't nearly as challenging as getting used to playing the bass and switching back to guitar now everything's all tiny and cramped up playing a mandolin or a ukulele it's like jesus christ this thing is like miniature you know compared to the bass that i got used to so yeah now, with the riffs that you used to write, you know, uh, on the guitar, now, the riffs that you're writing on the bass, are you getting more into that? Because you, eventually, you're going to start adding riffs and stuff like that with the band going back and forth. For a lot of people that know, I mean, the bass, the riffs that come from bass, you know, the bass guitar for certain artists, they really do uh, just stay with the song. Think about Peter Steele, you know, and the typo stuff. Like, totally. it's, totally. it's, well, it's a different format, but just such a, a catchy tune it can be for the metal world so when you i agree but i haven't really gotten good at that yet i'll be uh, totally honest so for, for me there's a hundred percent chance that when i'm going to be writing material for psychropic on this next cycle i'm going to be writing it on guitar and then you know just playing it on the bass and i think that's just because it's old habits just die hard if i have a musical idea it comes out in guitar version for sure you know what i mean 
Yeah, hundred no, hundred percent. You're like you said, old habits die hard. Yeah, so I because I've I've always found it. I don't know who else writes really interesting riffs. I guess people like Claypool, obviously. But the the point would be like I just always found it interesting to, for the technical death metal band because you'll you'll get a bass solo on occasion, you know. But they sound yeah, like well, guitars. That's the thing. They'll trick totally. you. Yeah. Yeah, totally. There are definitely times where I still to this day can't even tell. I'm like, wait, what is that? I have to go back and, and over listen. And uh, there's even even like Lamb of God does shit like that where I can't tell if it's a guitar or a bass. And I got to go back and kind of really analyze it. And obviously, I'm a huge Manowar fan. And I've been, they have a ton of shit where <laughs> they do bass stuff that <clears throat> might as well be guitar. It's senseless for even for even to be bass parts. So I'm into it, but I just haven't spent enough time writing on the instrument. You know what I mean? I've spent the last three years learning how to play their material and getting it good enough to be live and getting really consistent at it. And um, writing for the band is something that is just starting to happen. It's in the, it's in the very first infancy stage, you know? Uh, yeah, completely, man. And now, just if you had to choose a psychoptic record, like we said this, is, and we can't count the new one, even though I'd love to see right. this live in its entirety, but if you had to choose one psychoptic album to perform in its entirety with the band, which one would you choose and why? Uh, honestly, to, to perform, I think I'd have to choose the self-title from 2015, which mm. we already do a heap of that shit live, but there's some that we don't ever play live that are some of their best songs. Now, my favorite song of theirs, actually maybe two or three of my favorite songs of theirs is from the Inherited Repression, which is 2012. But overall, I just think if you, at the end of the day, it's not as good of an overall record. And uh, I don't know, for me, their most current material is their strongest. And I'm, I've been saying that for a bit now, and I don't know how other people really feel about it because you get mixed vibes at shows. People will request old songs every time, but the people who request old songs are kind of few and far between. They're out there, but... I don't think you'd want to tailor your whole set in order to accommodate that very small amount of diehards. You want to give them a treat, but you don't want to just play nothing but old stuff. You want to promote your more current material because to me, it's stronger, you know? If it's not stronger, then I think that's an issue because I'm the same way. I think every band, when I want to see them, I want to see their last two, three records, like primarily. Of course, like the older stuff on occasion, but like if there is a 30-minute set, just play the new stuff because that's the stuff you're most passionate about, the stuff that, I, to me, you should be at least. I mean, again. You're definitely you're definitely right about that. You should be the most passionate about it, and in most cases, people are the most passionate about it. But, you know, it's kind of like it's human nature to me to kind of take tips and tricks from experienced bands, you know? And there's a lot of bands that are successful that heavily fall back on, like, their, you know, old, old back catalog. And uh, I guess for a while coming up, I thought that was the way to do it because you have a golden era. But and an example of a band like that would be, let's say, a, a band like Sepultura that have been in the game for ages. They're, you know, over 30 years in or whatever. They have, they have a bunch of material that I'm not that familiar with. So if they were going to play nothing but songs from the previous two records, or I'm sorry, the most current two records, I'd be like, well, what the fuck? No, no classics? You know what I mean? We've yeah. been here since the 80s. The thing is, we're not Sepultura. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's a hardcore version of Beneath the Remains. It's not It's not the same version to me. Like, I, I want to hear Machine Messiah, but I like just because the way the band is set up now, you know? It's right. Not, it's not right. thrashy right. anymore right. to me. You know? the, the older stuff. It's like, a, it's like a, I don't know, one guitar attack on a two-guitar song a lot. Of, that's just me. But uh, um, but yeah, I I, agree. I am a fan of the new records by Sepultura. Like Machine Messiah, I I would hats off to them for that. That's a great one. So, but that is something I do want to talk to you about. How do you convey to the youth 
the importance of a fan's or a band's history and discography today? Or do you think it's just better to be like, start at the new record and just stay with us? Well, oh my God, that's a great question. So I think that the best way to introduce young fans to, to your band is to promote your most current record. Okay, so here a real life example would be if you're actually sitting at your merch table at a show where you're performing and a kid were to come up and say, I saw you guys, you were awesome, which album should I buy? Of course you say, buy the most recent one. And it's not just because you want to fluff up your record sales, it's because you believe in it the most. And like you said, you're the most passionate about it. I believe in that wholeheartedly. Now... If you're anything like me, you start with the new shit and it'll it will pique your curiosity so much so that you will dig through the back catalog. And that's what happened to me when I got into Metallica. When I first heard the band, they basically you uh, had already put out the Black album. I didn't even know that Ride the Lightning existed. I had to find it through like, you know, diligent research and be like, "Whoa, this is from 1984. This is fucking, you know, awesome and i didn't know about it until i got into the band's current shit and then started looking back into history and uh i guess that's up to the fan to do that on their own accord but how do you get them to i don't know i don't know i feel like streaming services like you can listen to i don't know 70 songs by a band at once you know just if you want to and i feel like like the if you miss the gap between records i feel like you miss a lot of you know the time frame you needed it in for me like if i find a new band and i'm like how many records i got nine all right i'm gonna just dig this number nine record all right let me go to eight and then i'll just kind of stay with them for like the next cycle but i don't go way back you know um gotcha that's that's me just because i know how much my brain like how much time it takes for me to you know really sponge a record you know like really get it and not just have it be background noise because what i listen to like you know like your guys's record you you need to sponge that in man you know totally. it, it takes totally. it takes a little time so with me that's something i've always thought was kind of like the way to go now or back in the day there just wasn't as many bands you know it felt there, there it, weren't as many bands and there weren't as many distractions and it's a very weird time to be a young person because I just can't even imagine growing up in a day and age where, say you were a teenager now and you have access to all of this music, but you don't ever have to learn about the history or the roots of, of rock and roll or heavy metal. You can skip right by them if you're not interested. And then to me, it's almost kind of like a shame. But at the same time, does it really matter? I don't know. All I know is that if I were a 17-year-old kid and I had Spotify account, mm -hmm. I would be so overwhelmed with the quantity of music that is accessible, I wouldn't even know where to start. Whereas back in the day, I would have unhealthy phases of, fuck, I just bought this new, uh, call it Chaos Fear by Meshuggah that came out in like 1997. I didn't take that fucking CD out of the CD player for months and I listened to that record every day until I knew the songs front to back. And they were kind of, they were hard songs to memorize, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just don't approach listening to music the same way anymore. And I couldn't even imagine doing that if you were a kid. You have to really like something for it to have that replay value that we were talking about earlier. Yes. So I don't know, I don't know what the answers are in order to <clears throat> kind of tackle this day and age where everyone has a very short attention span and rightfully so. You know, there's just there's everything in your face at all times and you can have whatever you want with the click of a button. If anyone goes out of their way to spend time with the record, 
so much so that on the first cycle of the tour, people are singing the words back in your face while you're on stage. To me, that is astounding, and I will, would revel in the glory of that. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, and that's in my mind what it deserves. You know, because of the effort that's put in. And you're right; it's it's all media. It's not just it's movies too. I mean. If you, right, if, right. You, if you can jump on Netflix and be like, I got 75, it's like having a video store at a click, you know? Totally. Like back in the day, I'd rent a bad movie. That's all I got, you know? <laughs> like, so, that's it. That's it, dude, that's it. Finish it and just return it, you know? <laughs> like, don't be late. Don't pay more money for it, you know? So, right, totally. And uh, you're right, man. I had I have a, a nephew, and all, all my family, the majority of my family lives in Australia. So, and I had a nephew out here, and uh, he not really into metal. And you know, I played him. I forgot what song was on. It was like an Overkill song, and he has a Spotify, and because I don't have it. And then I was like, yeah, yeah, check him out. And he's like, there's like 20 records. I'm like, oh, okay, just just pick, <laughs> you know, I'm like just pick the new one, dude, and stick with that, please. Don't try to. Totally listen to 20 thrash albums at once you'll hate the band in a week you know <laughs> like so it's, that's a great point that's it's too point. much man it's too much you're gonna miss all all the good stuff there so anyways though back to the record as the kingdom drowns guy which is out right now make sure you guys do definitely pick it up now touring wise i know you guys are gonna do an australian tour we have an australian tour that's announced and it starts november 27th mm-hmm. uh i think it's about 16 shows which is an awful lot for australia a lot of bands that tour over there don't get to do that many shows in one run because their heavy mar- heavy metal markets over there are, are a bit, um, I don't know if scarce is the right word, but we're doing a lot of regional shit. We're going to towns where you'd never normally go and play a heavy metal show. I've done three Australian tours so far since I started uh, playing shows with these guys, and two-thirds of this itinerary are places that I haven't even heard of, never mind been to, to play a show. So I'm really excited for that. There's another Australian band on the tour called Orpheus Omega, and I'm excited to tour with those guys because they're rad, and I only discovered them because of this tour. I end up checking out a lot of bands that way, by the way. Um, And then we're going to end up doing uh, Europe in early 2019 and the U.S. in early 2019, neither of which are announced yet because lineups are just being confirmed as we're going. So hopefully those will hit the presses very soon. After those cycles are done, Maybe it's time to go back to Europe and do festivals in the summer. Well, and you know, with summer in the northern hemisphere. Um, and then after that, I don't know what our plans are, but I know that on the last album cycle, it was three years of relentless touring. So I'm mm-hmm. hoping this one will be the same. Nice. Yeah. 16 dates in Australia. Dude, you're going to get hazed then. It's going to happen. You're in their native land. You don't have any any of, of your like you know comfort zones. They're gonna there's gonna be something happening. There's gonna be like a dead uh, something next to you in the bus. <laughs> well, dude, they, they, what they did was they initiated me. I'm just I'm one of them now. I talk like them, and I I know my way around the place. And it's just I don't know. Australia is like a whole other planet to a lot of people, but it's it's oddly familiar to me at this point because Australia is turning into a commute. You know? Yeah, that's there, so cool, I, man. It's wild. It's like I've been there three times just this year, and uh, it's almost weird when you know your way around the place. Now, when you say you talk like him, I like that because it's like my brother lives in Hawaii, and when I talk to him on the phone, he'll say things like the kind and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, come on, you know? Like, but like, do you do no, that? Totally talking. It's like, it's like here's how it happens. It's a natural process. You hang out with the guys for long enough. Eventually, you start talking like them to make fun of them, and then you can't drop it. So I come back home to my my homeboys, which I almost just call them mates, and then I call every I, I say cunt every other word, and everyone's like, "Dude, take it easy." I'm like, "Well, 
I'm Australian now. It's fine, you know. It's got a different <laughs> meaning altogether. What well, kind of no? Altogether. But it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that that's excellent, man. That's excellent. Do you say cheers out of curiosity? Uh, I think I said that before and after getting involved with the Australians, but it's it's very seldom. It's kind of like. Uh, and I try not to overuse that one, but yeah, cheers, mate. You know, it always, yeah, it it gets me when I hear it with the our accents. I'm like, I'm gonna be like, all right, man, cheers. I'm like, eh, I don't, eh, I don't know if I like that. <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. But yeah, there's, there's a bunch. There's a bunch of shit I picked up from the guys, and a lot of it's it's escaping me right now. But it comes out randomly, and everyone's like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" An example would be like, uh, I I actually got a job out in Sydney, which is funny just working out there on off dates uh between doing shit uh playing shows and while i was out there i noticed that nobody would know what i was talking about when i said certain things so i was working on a construction site and i learned i had to learn how to call things by what they would call them in order for anyone to know what i was saying and then i'd bring that talk home and people would be like dude i don't know what that is um they call a marker a texter they call uh, I don't know, a soffit, a bulkhead, they call it pocket door, a cavity slider, all types of shit like that. So you bring that home and everyone's like, I don't know what you're saying. You know what I mean? Yes, completely. And I'm like, I'm not putting you on. I'm not just pretending to be Australian. I just reprogram myself to talk this way. And now I'm measuring shit in fucking millimeters, you know? <laughs> yes. That's, so a soffit is a marker in australia no like a, a marker a marker like a sharpie is called a texter oh a texter oh yeah a, so, a soffit like in your house is called a bulkhead that's what i'm saying like at a house they call it because yeah i know what a soffit is it's like a bulkhead so a, a marker like a sharpie is a texter i actually like that more i don't know anyways <laughs> now dude i'm stealing it from you i'm gonna tell my friends you know? <laughs> Totally, totally, totally. So, and that cultural difference, though, I mean, that's got to make it even a better experience being in that band. Is there any thought process for you to move to Australia at, at this point? I love the place, but I, I just wouldn't do that. I have really good work here in in uh, Monmouth County, New Jersey, and I have a pretty decent setup where I work for two employers that keep me busy when I'm not on tour. And I, I, I have a girlfriend that lives in Canada that I, I'm very, very involved with in a serious commitment. So like I moving to Australia would kind of destroy the, the plans that she and I have. And it's just, it's just not in the cards right now, but, uh, I do love the place. You never know what the future holds, but mm-hmm. as of right now, I'm kind of, I'm kind of planning on staying put. Nah. Yeah. I, I understand that totally. So I did want to, uh, just one last question, like just about your previous bands, like you, you, been in the scene for a long time now how long you've been playing guitar for about 20 years if that's correct and you've been in different bands all the way through i I know there was one band i can't i don't remember the name but the lead singer did pass away at that time when he passed away i mean did you feel like that was kind of the end of your career at at any moment because that's kind of a big loss you know i didn't know what to think at that point we were uh it was it was like we were building momentum. We had done a record. We were really proud of it. We were about to put it out, and that was kind of like his swan song. So he died in 2010, and we had just finished like the small two-week tour right before that. About six, We got home like a month or six weeks before that tour, or I mean before the, the passing. And then uh, we were all like, well, we sat around and looked at each other. What do, we, what do we do now? And we were in dire straits, so I ended up starting a cover band with the same dudes that were playing in the, in the band, which was called the Bassinate. And then, uh, that went to shit almost immediately. And then I started playing guitar in this other New Jersey band called hammer fight. And it was just in its beginning stages of like starting to play shows and do shit. And that was awesome. It was like this 
fun time, beer drinking, rock and roll band. It had like a motorhead type of vibe, classic song templates where it was verse, chorus, verse type shit with like tons of guitar solos. And it was right up my alley. Loved it. And I was doing that for a bunch and I was still playing very actively in that band when I started touring with Psychroptic. And I think life just gets too busy at some point. You know, there was a time where you'd be in 10 bands, but I think those days are, are gone, at least for now, because there's not enough resources, basically time and money to um, spread yourself that thin. I want to be in a serious band and do serious touring. And if I'm going to do that and work and have a stable uh, lifestyle, I, I've got to just commit to the Psychropic guys, which is exactly what I did. And they uh, kind of, uh, I guess, inducted me at the perfect time. And now here we are, you know? Yeah, time is so important. And that's something I always like people to hear out there is that do what you love because you work 65 hours a week as long as 20 of that is something you love and just totally. figure it out. I'm telling you, like, you never stop. Just figure it out and, and, and it'll totally. be well worth your time because if you don't have that, I think, passion for something that you do in your life or in your day-to-day -day basis, life can swallow you quick, you know? And um, I don't know if you agree oh, with sure Yeah, so I don't agree. Uh, but I, I agree with that. I strongly agree with that. I've got lost in the shuffle many times and had to straighten my head out because you try to do a million things and you can't, you can't do them all. You know, I, I'm proud of, uh, of some of the work that I've been able to get done with some of those bands. And when I look back at some of the stuff we've recorded, I, I still think it's rad and I love playing shows with the guys and I'm still best mates with all of them. And, uh, but I believe that there are chapters in life and sometimes they close and I, and you know, bands that i played in in the past i i owe it all to that that was the experience that's what got me into touring and getting involved in, in the scene and and to be totally honest working as an employee for revocation is the real reason why my game has kind of leveled itself up i was just in the right place at the right time there's a lot to be said for that too but yeah i always loved playing in bands and i always will but but right now psychroptic is it for me that's that's my my golden goose you know excellent yeah and then the record you're putting out right now this is gold, man. If anybody, everybody, as the Kings of Drown is is definitely one of the best of this year. You guys got to check it out for sure. I know, Todd, you got to be proud of this thing through and through for this to be the first record that awesome. you're on. It's so cool. It's like I want to do everything I can to kind of roll my sleeves up and uh, help the guys build this to as big as it can possibly be. You know, everyone wants to stay on the road and be really active about this, and everyone wants to be – uh, the best they can be, uh, better players and a better business model and just kind of take the world by storm, you know? Yeah, dude. Love the story. Love the album. So I'm very happy I got to talk to you about it too as well, Todd. So I just want to thank you so much, Bye. dude, for calling into the Likewise. Metal Slicks. Likewise. Cool. The pleasure is all mine.
Metal Sucks Podcast.
Sucks Podcast. This show is sponsored by Rockabilia. During the holiday season, put some merch from Rockabilia on your wish list. They're the one-stop shop for all your band merch needs. Need to buy a gift for someone and know what bands they're into? 
pick up something from Rockabilia. You won't be disappointed with the selection, and you can get 15% off with the promo code PCJabberJaw. Head over to rockabilia.com today for all your holiday merch and save 15% with the promo code PCJabberJaw. All right, guys, and we are back. First song you heard is off the latest Psychroptic record. Once again, As the Kingdom Drowns. It is out now. That song is called Directive. Second song you heard off that same record. That one is called Frozen Gaze. Guys, I cannot tell you. Pick up this record ASAP. It's a fantastic record. Next song you heard, guys, is from a band called Blind Sight. We here at the Metal Sucks Podcast, we love in this album. The song is called Empathy Astray. In their album, March of the Clowns, it came out this last July. Make sure you guys check it out. If you like the band, go to www.blindsightband.com. Check them out. And lastly, guys, once again, we want to send all our condolences out to another mass shooting that's happened out here in, in America, this time in Thousand Oaks, California. It's definitely a pattern that we here are our hearts break every time we see it and we pay attention, but our hearts go out to everybody in that scene. Any way you can help as always guys try to reach out until next week, my friends, the metal sucks podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw podcast network. <laughs>